your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. So the Huskies able to advance it from the 11 out to the 35. Huskers come after the kick. They've got it. It's a block punch. The Huskers pick it up at the 25-yard line and have it down to the 21. Isaiah Stahlberg was the one who blocked it. Stahlberg from Cardi, Nebraska, with the block for the Big Red. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We did a lot of a lot of things a lot better out there today than we had the first couple weeks and really going back longer than that. So uh, it was great to see us get in control and stay there. Empty set. Huskers pitch it off out of that to Maurice Washington in the 15-10-5. He's hit. Touchdown. Maurice Washington on the Jeff series takes the inside pitch from Martinez, rips off the right side and finds Pater, and Nebraska has him, sells a touchdown here in the first quarter. I think you saw a little more of the things that we were seeing as coaches in camp in a lot of different ways on offense, Diedrich being one of them. He runs hard. He's got good speed. First and 10 at the 24. Martinez turns, hands it off. It's Mills inside the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Diedrich Mills! So the Huskies able to advance it from the 11 out to the 35. Huskers come after the kick. They've got it. It's a block punch. The Huskers pick it up at the 25-yard line and have it down to the 21. Isaiah Stahlberg was the one who blocked it. Stahlberg from Cardi, Nebraska, with the block for the Big Red. Isaiah is going to be one of those poster boys for our walk-on program like Nebraska's used to have. If he stays on the track that he's on, I anticipate he won't be a walk-on for too long. You know, he's got to keep earning it, but uh, he's been good on defense. He's been good on special teams, and we're glad he's on our team. Oscars come after it, and they get it. It's deflected up in the air, picked up. Now Austin Allen bobbles it. It's still being bobbled and tipped out of bounds at the 15-yard line. Isaiah Stolberg again with a block for the Nebraska Corn Oscars. Snap back. Barron's is going to take off and run. He's faking it, and he's short of the first down. He's tackled by Austin Allen at the 34-yard line. Austin Allen and Caleb Tanner help make it, knock him down at the 34. He's a half yard short. Huskers will take over at the NIU 34. A lot of good things happen, and, and I think that goal line stand is a, just a, kind of a symbol of what happened tonight. Um, when we really needed those guys, they stepped up. Snap back to Bowers. Now gets rushed, steps up, gets hit, goes down. There's another sack for the Huskers at the 47-yard line of Northern Illinois. Carlos Davis along with Darian Daniels there. And we came out and we, we finished it like we were supposed to. And, uh, I mean, even now, just thinking about last week, it still leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. And we didn't want to have that feeling for two weeks in a row, so we just we closed this one out right. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap. Back to throw. Looking, now being flushed, hit, and sacked back at the 24-yard line by Carlos what a series of plays he's had here. A sack clear back in the 23. We're just trying to leave our imprint on this thing and, and go out with a bang, you know. The Big Ten Championship is still a goal for us, and we want it bad, so we're going to do everything we can to go get it. Back to throw is Bowers. Rolling out as he's being flushed. Still rolling. Throws downfield and intercepted. Picked off. Picked off by Braxton Clark, I believe, with the INT for Nebraska. Braxton Clark has his first pick. We've been improving. I know it hasn't been at the pace any of us want yet, but if this team just keeps getting better from from here on out, we're going to have a chance in a lot of games, and I hope our guys stay hungry. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Got to feel good about that performance. Should. A lot of good things in there. Nebraska, 44-8 winners over Northern Illinois on Saturday night. We're going to talk all about it here on the program tonight. Welcome to another week of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Going to hear from Scott Frost in a couple of minutes. He had a press conference earlier today. We'll play some of the highlights of that for you. Mondays with Matt is back. He'll lead off hour number two. We'll hear from Muhammad Barry, who led the Huskers once again in tackles in that game on Saturday. We'll have our weekend rewind at the top of hour number three, and we'll check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Uh, he covers the college football beat. He was in Ames for that long, weather-delayed matchup between the Cyclones and the Hawkeyes. We'll get Adam's, Adam's take on that and all the college football news coming up in hour number three. And as always, Mondays, particularly, phone lines wide open for you. Want to hear your thoughts? 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Those phone lines are wide open for you right now if you want to jump on board and give us your thoughts about the, the victory by the Big Red on Saturday. Just as I said right off the top, Ben, a lot to like. The offense racks up for the first time this year over 500 yards. They really got the ground game cranked up, rushed for 238 against a team that's pretty stingy defending the run. They had not allowed a back 
over 100 yards in 17 games, but Dedrick Mills able to crack the century mark on Saturday night. Defensively, keeping the Huskies out of the end zone for the game. That makes two of the last three home games. Nebraska's defense has not allowed a touchdown. That will play. And I know there were some kicks blocked, but on the special teams front, Nebraska gets to two punts and made good plays there. Uh, so just a, a lot of things to, to enjoy Saturday night in a beautiful weather night at the stadium. I know a little warm when we got things underway, but it uh, turned out to be a beautiful night. But much better feel today than a week ago yeah I think um you know obviously the the conversation for me started with the players after the game about how good of a feeling it was going to be both uh that night uh Saturday night and, and all day Sunday and just the the vastly different feeling that you had leaving the stadium and and for the first time in a long time and you know, we, I brought this up on the broadcast only to be teased by Matt Davison about it. You know, that's the best I felt about a home game, home performance to a team like that in a long time. Now, obviously, Michigan State last year would, would trump that win. But to put a team away after, you know, what happened a week ago against Colorado and, you know, what I asked Coach Frost at, at the half about finishing, he goes, I shouldn't have to say anything to those guys because we've been preaching it all week. And even heard from some of the players today that it's not just going to be a week-to-week thing, that f- the topic of finishing is going to be something that they preach all year. So you hope that's a lesson they take to heart. But, you know, anytime you dominate a football game like that and keep an opponent out of the end zone, you should feel very proud of what you did. And, and hopefully this team can build off that. Uh, next week against Illinois. It's been, okay, three games into this season. Uh, I'm going to start with defense. One bad quarter in three games, or or is that too much of a stretch? I mean, they've been pretty dominant, really, in the other games. I mean, but the fourth quarter against Colorado certainly shades it, but uh, it's hard to pick a lot at this defense getting done right now. Yeah, definitely, and I think it starts up front. You and I were just talking a little bit ago about Nebraska's defensive line. Carlos Davis is one of the players that joined us after the game, and we, he and I, one of the first things we talked about was the depth up front on the D-line. He goes, you know, we're not having to reserve any gas in the tank for the fourth quarter like we've had to do in the past. You know, we can we can play as hard as we can for as long as we can, and when we need a blow, you know, we can do the, the hockey line substitutions and, and bring in the backup group and without much drop-off. So I think that's that's crucial in, in in starting everything. And you heard Mohamed Berry talk with the media today, and we'll we'll talk with Mo later on too about how free the linebackers are to make plays now that those defensive linemen, uh, particularly Darren Daniels right there in the in the nose, you know, they're occupying one and two blockers. Those linebackers can move free and, and make the plays they're supposed to make. And then the other thing it does is it hurries everything up in the secondary when you're getting pressure on that quarterback and. You know, you're facing a guy like Bowers, like the Huskers did, and you're making life difficult for him, um, you know, even even when he has open receivers. That wasn't very often on Saturday night, but, you know, the first drive of the game and the second drive of the game, there was some miscommunication and open receivers, but thanks to Nebraska's pass rush, flustered him, and he couldn't make an accurate throw. So it, it all starts up front, and you see it trickle down in the second and the third levels, and um, at times, all three levels have played very, very, very well for Nebraska. Only credited with two sacks. I would argue that they had a third one, but they said it wasn't a full yard loss, so they can't credit it as a sack. But really, I think there were three sacks in that game. Uh, you mentioned Darian Daniels. Damian made a huge play on the third and goal in the in the later stages of that football game in the fourth quarter where he kind of stuffed the pile up front, got up, was uh, fist pumping and throwing the bones and having a good time out there. So I thought he was good. Offensively, I think we all wanted to see a better rushing attack. We wanted to see we wanted to see Dedrick Mills. We've kind of been told that he could. I think both those are positive check marks from Saturday night's game. And we also wanted to see more receivers involved in the passing game, nine different guys caught pass, passes in Saturday night's game. Yeah, and it starts with Conavai. And, you know, I made the comment again on the broadcast that I think, the, and, I'll, and I'll echo what I said, I think the first two games were a bit of an anomaly with him not getting in the, in the stat column with the receptions. He's out there a lot. And, and the one part to his game that I truly admire is he blocks his tail off. I mean, he is Nebraska's best perimeter blocker 
as a wide receiver, and I don't know that it's even close. I mean, he is a tremendous, tremendous blocker, big physical with his hands, and you don't make that catch in the end zone if you don't mind a little contact. So he, he can be a big-time weapon, and we've seen what he can do now against Northern Illinois and, you know, that other threat. And I think, you know, even go back to that Colorado game, Two plays in a row on that when Adrian threw the pick right there at the end of the fourth quarter. Nebraska threw deep balls to number nine. That was their target. So I think that says a little bit about what the coaches feel uh, he can bring to the table in terms of a deep threat and his possession skills. So, yeah, Conovi got involved. Wandale made some plays. Mike Williams, I think, had a 24-yard reception. So, you know, to get those those different guys involved is huge. And it was it was awesome to see Darian Chase on the field. It sure was. Um, his first catch is one he's going to remember. Took a kidney shot right there when he caught it. But, um, you know, I think you're starting to see, you know, the trust factor with the coaches. And one more point I want to make on that. How many times on third down, Greg, did you see J.D. Spielman not on the field? Mike Williams not on the field. It was Darian Chase. It was Noah. It was, you know, a combination of guys where you weren't looking out and you didn't see J.D. on the field. You didn't see Wandale on the field. They trusted those guys on third downs to, to go out there and give them some snaps. Yeah, you look at this offense, puts up 44 points. I think Maurice Washington took one snap in the second half, maybe maybe two or three, but it was it was only that first series we saw him. Then he was done for the day. Adrian doesn't play for the last ten minutes of the game, and yet you put forty four. I like the way the number two offense came in. Noah Vedral zipped him right down the field. The chase pass that you referenced, he threw one to Kurt Raftall, and then uh, he took it in himself for the touchdown. So it was great to see the two offense, the entire two offense, not just the skill people, but the offensive line, the two offensive line came in, and that was a really nice drive for Nebraska, a nine-play, 42-yard drive for the final points of the game. So just a fun night at the stadium. Uh, this team gained some confidence with that and now gets ready to launch into league play this week with a trip to Champaign uh, on Friday night, or Saturday night to take on the Fighting Illini, uh, who got beat over the weekend by Eastern Michigan with a last-second field goal. All right, uh, the head coach's press conference from earlier today, he was asked to assess the progress that he's seen from this football team now through three games. You know, I thought the defense took a big step forward Saturday, uh, playing four quarters. That was a big step. We needed that to happen. thought the offense executed better. Um, thought we played at a better pace uh, within plays and between plays. Um, those things still need to improve offensively. We need to execute a little higher rate, uh, play a little faster yet. Um, but we took a big step Saturday, and if we build off that, we're going to be in good shape. Now, one of the issues that cropped up the other night, and I think there's a multitude of things that, that had this, were the block kicks, a block field goal try and a block PAT, both from Isaac Armstrong. The first one was a middle rush that came right over the top of the center and got to him. The second one was a guy off the edge that blocked the PAT. Here's the coach talking about the issues on the block kicks. Kind of different issues. So one, one came uh, kind of over our left side and one came from the edge. So... Um, like I said after the game, you, you don't ever know you have a problem on those type of things until you have a problem. Uh, but then you got to get them fixed, or people are going to keep trying the same things. Concerned about that? Um, it's something I'm paying attention to now, and certainly not something I feel as good about as I did last week. I think McCollum did a lot better job getting height on his kicks. Uh, and, and conversely, you know, you can use exactly what Coach Frost said in Nebraska's benefit. They saw something on tape that they thought they could exploit in the in the block punt game and it changed the game so he's absolutely right and I think that just goes to to cover it you know if, if you are leaking oil at a particular side or this guy struggles to block the kicker doesn't get the, enough height on the ball whatever it is teams are going to take advantage and and you know gain every advantage they can possibly get to help themselves win the game now, one of the injuries that occurred the other night was to the uh, secondary. Cam Taylor-Britt uh, went off with what looked to be a shoulder injury. Coach Frost doesn't like to talk about injuries, but he was asked today to assess the depth that they have in that defensive backfield. Well, Liz Deontay was big for us. Um, you know, he had an unbelievable camp. I was excited to watch him play this year. He didn't get much of a, a chance to do anything this year before he went down. Um, it's a testament to Fish and to all those guys in that room how many guys are playing well right now. Um, the starters are playing well. The guys that are backing up Deontay are playing well. We have a couple walk-ons. 
um, that are helping us. You know, you're really starting to see the fruits of the walk-on program that Nebraskans love, that I love so much, uh, with guys like Soli and Stahlberg playing so well. Uh, so uh, we got some pretty good depth there. Um, there's a lot of positions, though, where we can't afford to lose too many guys. Um, that's that's something I'm paying a lot of attention to as well. Uh, I would be a lot more concerned if Stalbert and Sullivan weren't playing at the level that they are. But you can tell every time that those two kids step on the field, they're trying to make something happen. You know, they're um, trying to make a play while executing their own assignment, and and they've come up huge. Both of them have. So. You don't just look at the depth chart and see, oh, we got two walk-ons as backups and kind of grimace going, well, there's no bodies back there. I think, you know, for every passing game and the more snaps those two get, you're feeling better and better about the depth in that, in that safety spot. You know, I think we go back to week one when the, the first depth chart came out and we even had some calls about it. People going, well, where's the, where's the freshman? Where, the freshman, are, why are we having walk-ons on the depth chart in the secondary? Well, now I think folks have seen him. They've seen Eli Sullivan make plays. They've seen Stallbird make plays. And they're going, okay, these guys can play. It's not just that Miles Farmer's not ready to go yet or Noah Polagate's maybe not quite ready to go yet. It's that those freshmen are pretty good football players. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the biggest thing is for the coaches to put you out there, they have to trust that you're going to do what, you, what you're supposed to do. You can light it up one of every four practices, but – when you're out there on the field and the coach is worrying about the three practices where you aren't lighting it up, that's where the hesitation comes in and, and they don't know what you're going to get. It's the guy that's consistent at practice that works hard. And I thought Matt did a good job talking about both of those guys throughout the broadcast of, of what they bring to the table and how hard they work in practice to put themselves in that position. And Eric Lee uh, is president of the Eli Sullivan fan club. He has talked, you know, in a couple of, different times already post game about how smart of a player is he's a coach back there in the secondary knows where everybody's supposed to be he's got everybody's assignment covered and you know when you when you're a heady football player like that you have the iq you don't have to run a 4 3 40 you don't have to be 6 3 220 pounds a landon collins type safety you just be where you're supposed to be and we've seen a lot of guys in the big 10 conference that don't look like nfl safeties that are more than adequate in college because they're smart. We have seen a couple of those freshmen play. Noah Polagates has been on some special teams, so has Quentin Newsom. And the other night, Miles Farmer got into his first game as Oscar. So those are three of those talented freshmen that at least have gotten on the field so far this year. We had a caller ask about Adrian. Um, Coach Frost was specifically asked about how Adrian is doing at reading defenses and all reading all the different zone looks that Nebraska has seen this year. Throwing against zone defense. Um, where Adrian's played well. Yeah, I think when you think about Adrian around Nebraska, you, you forget that he's a true sophomore. Um, he, he's played well enough for us to win in every game. Uh, I think he's gotten better in every game. Um, the one thing we keep talking about, when he's decisive, makes decisions, lets the ball rip, or makes a decision and runs, um, he's really good. So we just we need to get him in positions where he he feels good about what we're doing and he can be decisive and get the ball in the right place. That word decisive that's come up a bunch, hasn't it, the last couple of weeks? Yeah, and and I think Coach Frost has done a a good job too, pointing out that this is his second year in college. I mean, this isn't we watched him play a ton of football last year, but that doesn't mean he's a senior out there. You know, he's still learning as well. And you know, so many times we see this with freshmen, not just at the quarterback spot but at receiver or corner or whatever running back, they find your weakness and they exploit it. And that's why, you know, it's so common that players aren't as productive from freshman to sophomore years and not just football. I mean, look at all the sports, Greg, the more right. a freshman pitcher comes in and pitches. Okay. We know this guy's 92 to 93 and he loves to change up, you know, with a two strike count. And, you know, same with basketball. This guy loves to shoot from the corner. He's bad with the dribble drive of the left hand. We're going to force him left all night long. You see it in all the sports. And I think football is just a much grander level. And Adrian Martinez is playing the most scrutinized position <laughs> and maybe the most scrutinized uh, school in the country uh, when it comes to, to fan assessment uh, with the quarterback spot. And, you know, when he doesn't look like a Heisman Trophy winner every Saturday, people are going to go, well, what's going on here? And, you know, 
I'll take the stat line that Adrian gave us on Saturday all day long and twice on Sunday. You mean he's not Patrick Mahomes yet? <laughs> I mean, if, if Patrick Mahomes has any eligibility left and wants to come teach Adrian a thing or two, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> all right, that's it from the Doncon. It's off now to league play. The next nine are against league opponents starting Saturday with Illinois. Coach Frost was asked if he's ready for the start of league play. Well, I'm excited to get into Big Ten play. Um, you know, we got a big test on the road this week. Um, watching Illinois on tape more on defense so far, they've improved a bunch from last year defensively. Um, I think they are some of the schematic things they're doing are different. They look uh, bigger and faster to me. You can tell they're they're older and um, more experienced than they were a year ago. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going on the road, and we've been close on the road a few times since I've been here and haven't finished one. So if we get that opportunity Saturday, I want our Sarah guys to uh, see it through to the end. That road losing streak, by the way, sits at eight games for the Cornhuskers. Here's the coach expounding more on Illinois. Like I said, I, I think they've changed quite a bit. Uh, primarily last year we saw uh, cover two and, and man coverage. Um, they're playing a little more quarters now and versions of quarters, uh, mixing in some three, mixing in some man, still playing a little bit of two. Uh, they're doing a good job disrupting and rerouting uh, receivers uh, to keep guys from getting down the middle of the field. I think the D-line's playing well. There's a lot of movement up front. Um, they're pretty physical at linebacker. They, they've definitely uh, improved a bunch on defense. I'm impressed with them. Uh, offensively, um, you know, they put up quite a few points. The, the running back's a really good player. Uh, I'm really impressed with him. Um, and they got some really good people around him. So uh, we got to be ready to go on the road and have a big test. Illinois lost on Saturday to Eastern Michigan, and I saw some people snickering about that, but I reminded them that Eastern Michigan last year went and won at Purdue. Purdue ended up having a pretty good year. Two years ago, they won at Rutgers. So Eastern Michigan has won three straight games on the road against Big Ten teams. Uh, one last note, Ben, from the press conference today. Uh, the coaches handed out another scholarship to a walk-on. Here was his comments on that. We've decided uh, on one, Jeremiah Stovall is going to go on. Uh, he's been a core special teams player for us for a long time. This is his last season. Um, he's a starter on all four. And there's several guys that deserve it. Uh, but we rewarded him with one and uh, close to making a decision on the other. Stovall is a really fun guy to watch on kickoff because he will hit anybody in the mouth and he doesn't care how big they are. You know, <laughs> he's just a bullet. It means a ton to him to be on that unit. And he's had some big plays for Nebraska on the kickoff unit. So, yeah, I think he's he's more than rewarding for, you know, the job that he's done uh, with Nebraska special teams. So he's gotten one. Trent Hickson's gotten one. As you heard the coach say, they still have one more that they'd like to give out. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. The number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question, thoughts about the game, thoughts about what you just heard the head coach have to say. Feeling good today after a 44-8 Husker victory over Northern Illinois. Here's what we have coming up in hour number two. Chance to talk with our... Color Analyst, Monday's with Matt, headed your way here in just a mere moment. We'll also hear from Muhammad Barry. Again, once again, Nebraska's leading tackler in the game on Saturday. Phone lines will be open throughout the hour as well at 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. But let's start the hour with our Mondays with Matt. Time now for the Weekly Breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference with color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program, all the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime, and we've seen the best one here today against the top 10 team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. Well, a lot more smiles around the offices today around Lincoln. Everybody's got a little spring in their step. That's what a win does for you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a great weekend. I think our fans had a great time. It was a wonderful night for football in Memorial Stadium, and the fans showed up like always. It was an electric atmosphere. The guys came out, played hard. They played well on both sides of the ball, and, and we got a nice win, feel-good win. The score ended up uh, one where we could get other guys into the game, so we got some guys snaps that hadn't played much all year, if at all. And so over, overall, it was a great weekend and good momentum going into league play. 
First time this year, over 500 yards of offense, 525. Adrian himself with over 300 of total offense. But a lot more guys got their hands on the football. That's a good sign for this team, isn't it? Yeah, Adrian spread it around. We had some big plays. I kind of knew going into the game, the way they played defense, that there were going to be some some plays where they, they might get tackles for loss, but they also were set up to get big chunk plays as well, and that's kind of what we did. I think we had eight chunk plays in the first half alone, so it was going to be feast or famine. We kind of knew that going in. That's the way it played out, but anytime you have over 500 yards of offense, it's pretty good. Probably could have scored more points, left some out there in special teams, uh, fumbled once going in. And so we probably left a little bit out there, but overall it was probably the best performance of the year on offense for sure. And uh, and the defense showed up as well. Didn't allow a touchdown and played really hard and had the goal line stand down there, which, a big, which was a big momentum boost. And the fans loved that, and, and we did too. So, yeah, overall big-time performance on both sides. All right, 44 seconds to go in the first half. The uh, the veteran play-by-play guy says, oh, I got to take it to a knee here. And go. <laughs> but no, Coach Frost says, we're not doing that. And a big drive before halftime with a great catch by Noah in the end zone. Well, that was a bit of a statement, don't you think, from the program that we're not just going to air – we're just not going to go to a knee. We're going to try to score. I had to tell Frosty about that one yesterday in the office, Greg. I, I said, yeah, <laughs> Greg said, you know, probably just take a knee here. And I said, I don't think you're going to see the coach take a knee. So we got a good laugh out of that, but you know it was, a, it was a good drive. Adrian did a good job, and Conavai made a great play. I was happy for him on Saturday. Hadn't seen the ball the first couple of weeks, but had played a lot and, and done a good job in the, in blocking on the perimeter, and had played really hard, but the ball hadn't found him yet. And so him to make that play at the end of the half was was really good for the team, good for him, and and yeah, it was a great drive. Um, ended up still had a timeout in our pocket after we scored, so. It was a it was a big time drive at the end of the half. Two of the last three home games have been the defense has kept the team out of the end zone. That that's that's impressive, isn't it? In this day and age of college football, with all the wide open attacks. For sure. I mean, you know, you look around the country, and there's a lot more points being scored. It seems all the time, and and everybody has athletes who can make plays. Uh, the defense has just come a long way. Eric Sinander and the guys over there on defense have done a good job getting our guys ready. They're bigger, stronger, faster than they were a year ago. They played three great quarters of football against uh, Colorado as well. So, really, they've, they've played really good football most of the year outside of one quarter. We're, we're strong up front. We have depth up front. Uh, the secondary is playing at a really high level. And then our linebackers have done a good job as well with Mo and and Will Honus and, and Colin Miller and the other guys. So, you know, it's been a team effort. I think they're running to the ball better. They're getting turnovers, which is always big. And and so they're playing at a high level right now. And I think because of that, it gives us a chance every week. Love the, the double-digit tackles for losses. They had 10 of those in the game on Saturday. Okay, time to turn the page. Non-conference over. Here comes conference play and a trip to Champaign to take on Illinois. I think I think everybody's juices get flowing a little bit more in conference time, don't they? Yeah, for sure. You're playing an opponent you're, you're fairly familiar with. Um, you know, it's a night game on the road, so it should be a good atmosphere. Road games at night are a little bit tougher because you sit around all day, but you got to get yourself ready to play. And this is kind of a new season. We all wish we were undefeated, but we had to stumble out of Colorado. So now you kind of turn the page, as you said. You get to conference play, and now you really have something to play for. And every every game is worth a lot. It's within the division. Um, it, it's a chance to get off to a good start in the league. And uh, so it's a huge game for sure. And Illinois is better than they've been in the past. I think their film shows that. And, you know, they're better on defense for sure. And, and so it's going to be a big challenge. Anytime you go on the road, you can lose. And, and so we're going to have to come with our A game and play really hard and play well and try to get that first win in the league. It has been a while since the Huskers have won a road game. That's a hurdle that the, this program needs to get over, right, and get the confidence that you can go where, wherever you play you're going to win. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think it's been that long since we've won a road game a couple of years. But, you know, this team, I think, is ready to do that. I think they've prepared themselves to do that. They they played well enough in a lot of ways to win at Colorado and didn't get it done. And we've seen that, you know, a year ago. We saw us go on the road and play well and not, and not quite get it done. Have to start getting it done on the road. That's the only way this program is going to get where we want it all, where we want it to be is to go win those games and – 
and this is when it starts this week against Illinois. Go get that first win and get on track and try to put yourself in position to where you have a chance to win your half of the division and, and hopefully end up in Indianapolis at the end of the year. Well, a special moment today for one young guy in the program and Jeremiah Stovall, Coach Frost, and made the announcement at the press conference earlier today that he's now been put on scholarship for this team. That's a special time, isn't it? And Jeremiah certainly has been a good, a good player on special teams for a number of years around here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stovall has come so far since, since we got here, you know, almost two years ago, not even two years ago. Um, he did his work in the weight room in the off season, took care of his academics, and, and then on the field has been tremendous. And I give Coach Frost a lot of credit, too, for understanding the importance of special teams and, and rewarding a guy that hasn't found himself on defense much, but in special teams has been a rock star and has continually done it through last season, the beginning part of this season, and he takes pride in it. And hopefully it shows everybody else in the program that you can make a big mark in special teams and that it's it's uh, it's something the coaches look at. And and so I'm happy for him, congratulate him, and, and uh, hopefully he continues to play really well. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool thing for have that to happen. Okay, well, have a great week and uh, looking forward to getting the champagne and trying to pull down a win on the road. Hopefully some of our fans make it out there. It's a, it's a fun place for a game, and, and hopefully we can get a win. Thanks, Greg. Matt Davison joining us on our Sports Sunday Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I got asked today how many fans I thought Nebraska would bring to Champaign. What do you think? 5,000? 7,000? Yeah, I think that's probably probably pretty accurate. I think the one thing that helps that cause is it is a night game. So some people might just get up, hop Saturday in the morning. car and, and head over. Seven hours? Yeah, How many even seven, seven, eight hours. I haven't Google mapped Believe it or it, not, there was one point in my life where I thought about driving to Champaign. You almost had to because you had a flight that was a problem for you, and you almost had to get in a car and drive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the flight's fault. It, it usually is, no doubt. Phone lines are open for you, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. The number if you want to dial us up with a comment or question here on a Monday Night Sports Sunday. We'll take some calls, and we'll hear from Husker Light leading tackler, linebacker Muhammad Berry. That's next. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Monday night. Sports Sunday on the Husker Sports Network. Husker's a 44-8 winner on Saturday over Northern Illinois. The leading tackler in that game was Muhammad Berry. There's, uh, there's breaking news, right? Ten tackles for, for Mo. He's got the team high through three games. One of the captains of this football team and somebody you caught up with earlier today. Yeah, always fun sitting down with Mo. Um, just a, a just a delightful interview and, and guy to talk to. And I think Husker fans are going to like this one that we had earlier today. And just started out by talking about the difference of feeling between this Sunday and last Sunday and how good it felt waking up in his bed on Sunday, what happened on Saturday, knowing the Huskers dominated as much as they did. Yeah, uh, it felt great, man. I felt like a winner. Um, it was the the best part about it was a lot of people performed well, uh, a lot of different people that um, you know people haven't seen in the past. Uh, it was a great thing uh, to see my teammates ball. Um, you know the defense did so great out there, and um, it, it was good. Uh, I'm happy that this time we had not only just a win, but a convincing win, uh, and where we were just dominant the entire time. Let's go to the week of practice. And I remember talking to you at the Colorado game, and we both looked like we wanted to puke on each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the the mindset coming coming that week of practice, you'd been there before. What, what did you see from your guys really before any message was relayed, you know, coming back to work after something like that? Yeah, it was, it was a hard week. Um, you know, I've, you know, lost a lot of games, unfortunately, um, being here. But um, I think that was one of the most painful ones. Um, beside Iowa. Um, I think, you know, that one for me, I had to regroup, um, you know, on Sunday and get my mind right because um, I wasn't happy with my performance um, and and leadership. So uh, that was the biggest thing. But when I came into practice, um, I felt like 
you know, having a coach like Coach Shenander, um, who just he he makes his guys confidence confident, and um, you know he told us all the great things we did in the first half, in the uh, in the third quarter, and just finishing, and and we probably would have played the the best defense ever. Um, that I mean, the best defense of you know college football that week because you tell you talking about being on the field so long and the, the they had like zero rushing yards and only 80 passing yards in the first half and continuing that and throughout all four quarters it would have been a dominant performance so um we knew how good we could be you know and i think that was what was inspiring about that week and we wanted to really prove to everyone this game that we was a dominant team uh and i used you know no slouch and they gave Utah uh, a lot of problems, and uh, I think they went all four quarters with them. So um, we want to like make sure that okay, we showed everyone that we are a dominant defense and we are a dominant team. You mentioned something that is never easy for a player, and that's doing a lot of losing. How much of the focus is we've we've talked so much about changing culture around here, and so much has changed. That's really the last thing that needs to come with it is the winning winning culture, and you guys are so close to doing it. How, how do you build off something like this last Saturday and start instilling that, that when you guys show up here on this stadium, you know you're going to win and you yeah. expect to win? Because it's, expect, it's an expectation, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. The leaders have to make sure that that expectation is always met. You know, uh, when you step on the field and you got a Nebraska and on your helmet, there's only one way you play, and that has to be the expectation. Um, no matter, no matter what, you know, no matter what um, scenario you're in, you have to perform a certain way. You got players a certain way, and um, that's what that's what creates winning. When someone understands that they have to every time they play play for um, Nebraska every time they step on that field that they they have that pressure of playing a certain way and if they don't deliver that way they they should feel horrible you know and uh, that's the type of pressure I had I remember playing for Grayson uh, when I knew all they did was win um, just great things I knew when I stepped on that field I had I'm I have the ram on my on my helmet. It was expected for me to play a certain way, uh, not just to be good, just to be just regular, you know, just, not just to be something different, but just to be regular. I had to play at a high level, and that's when our program gonna be at a new at a new height. I think that's when the winning coach is gonna be there when people know that just to be normal, you have to play this type of level of football. How ready do you feel to meet that expectation now that Big Ten plays here? This is yeah. what you guys sign up for. This is You've been talking about Indy. Every, the team's been talking about Indy. Now we go. How, how do you feel right now after the first three? Man, I'm, in, I'm energized, man. Uh, we learned a, a great lesson early on in the season. A um, lot of great pieces are uh, coming together. Like I said, I was, what was really encouraging was seeing, you know, a lot of people on offense really ball. Um, seeing Maurice understand how great he could be and understanding that he can't he could not only be a real good back, he could be like the best back in the nation. And seeing him just break people off and just just shoot out like a can and then seeing Dedrick do the same thing um, seeing Connor who who just uh, transferred here moss someone in the end zone and that's what we got him for because he's a possession type of receiver um, seeing people do what they do seeing Adrian do what he do uh, and then seeing the defense just everyone who was expected to play good played well played good and uh, made play. So um, the thing is, we need to continue this, um, continue this week. The emphasis always this entire year is going to be finished. And, and indeed, at the end, we're going to finish the mission. Do you ever just, I mean, you, you got so much on your plate right now, but sit back and you think about, you know, where a lot of these players have have come from in your career like you but you've got so many new parts too. go man we've got you know juco guys we've got a grad transfer from cal we got darian coming in we have all these new parts and you're like this is our team and you know this we're gonna make this thing work do you ever when you were a freshman so a lot of these guys weren't here yeah yeah um yeah it's just i think it's weird sometimes like oh yeah it's so much outsiders and so much new new and uh things like that but i think it's easier when um 
you're trying to mold a team into a, a, a different team than it ever has been, you know. Um, I think um, having fresh faces and telling them this is how we're going to do it and it's going to work instead of some people who, you know, losing makes some people bitter and makes them weak and make them quit. Um, and having people who's fresh to the program and have, uh, you know, aspirations and stuff like that is a great thing because then they're easier to sway, they're e easier to lead. So I, I like it. A lot of talk. We'll let you go with this one, though. Got to get you out of here. But the, a lot of talk about the rotation of you middles this year uh, and, and snap count and, and treatment and making sure your body's right. How are you holding up in, in, in the process of making sure you do feel ready to go every Saturday and managing the snap count and, and also what you're seeing from the guys lining up next to you? Yeah, it's a great thing. Um, I think that's, that was what was supposed to happen last year. Unfortunate, unfortunately, you know, Will went down early. Um, and not only just the middle linebackers, you got the D line just rotating. You got the DBs rotating. Um, I just I love it because then you stay fresh. Um, you know, it hasn't hurt my production. I'm still making plays and stuff like that. And you're going to see, you know, all these plays we run in, we run about we doing 80 to 90 snaps, it starts to wear on you. And that's what happened to me, you know, even late in the season, you know, um, it started to wear on me. And um, to have real good guys come in, you know, Colin, Will, um, we have even more guys, Joey, um, uh, behind that could play at, at, at any time. And they're doing a real good job. And just like in the D-line, people coming in, DT, um, Damian, people still making plays when their number is called. So it's a great thing. Have a great week, man. Keep your body ready and get these guys ready for conference play. Let's go get another one on, on Saturday. Yeah, let's go. We'll go Big Red. Muhammad Berry, Nebraska senior linebacker, just brings it. I mean, yeah, he does. every interview, he it's, it's a thoughtful answer. And, you know, it means so much to him to, to put on that, that helmet and, and to play for this fan base. And uh, we're lucky to have him. He's a good player. He's kind of the heartbeat of that defense. He and Darian Daniels, and I, Darian Daniels, they brought to the press conference today, and he was up front. He's impressive to listen to, too. And I know you had a great Cornhusker conversation with him on Saturday. It was a phenomenal interview. Yeah, I mean, and the personalities on that defense. I mean, you've got, you've got every range of personality there is out there. You know, you've got Darian, who's just kind of lighthearted, and he's, in his words, flamboyant and energetic on the field. And you got... Mo Berry, who looks like he wants to rip someone's head off every time he's on the field. And, you know, you got guys like Lamar and, and Decap. They're just – Ben Stilley, who's as serious as a heart attack. You know, you've you've got all these different personalities that are that are meshing together on the field, and, and they just make it work. And, and that – I didn't phrase the question the best way, but, you know, you think about – the concoction of players that this team is made of That's right and and as a senior as a guy like mo berry who literally came up from the bottom at nebraska to get where he is that was the point of my question is he you know you you you've been through it all at nebraska and yet you've got all these guys that have never played here before you ever just look around going who are these who are my teammates you know just hearing them talk about conavai and darian it's like the guys that he probably doesn't even know all that well time to check in with one of the great writers who covers college football. It's Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com, who I'm sure is still basking in the glow of the Chicago Bears victory yesterday. What a thrilling finish that was for the Windy City. Yeah, we needed that here, Greg. It's pretty <laughs> depressing. And uh, I was sitting on a plane in Des Moines getting ready to fly home and uh, and just was following on Twitter, and that was, that was wild. It looked like they'd... Uh, they lost, and then suddenly uh, something else happened, and they, and they found a way. So, as I as I like to say, there are no disheartening wins in football. Though the Bears uh, tested that definition on Sunday. Crazy stuff. So you have left Iowa. I wondered if you were still sitting in Jack yeah. Price Stadium. I have spent enough time in Jack Price Stadium, at least for for the for the foreseeable future. I arrived uh, a little bit before the end of college game day and left about midnight. So it was a long day at the stadium with the lightning delay, but. Uh, you know, an eventful one, and saw a pretty good football game. Even though the uh, the ending was kind of a a little bit of a downer, but uh, but overall a well played game for both teams. And that's not easy to do, is it, Adam? With the, we halting play twice, I mean, that's hard to get teams in this sport to get revved up and ready. That that had to be difficult for both those teams. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Iowa State, you're in your home uh, venue and you have your, your, you know, some of the amenities. Obviously, for Iowa, um, you know, and talking to some of the, the coaches, you know, they, they actually are in a decent set up there as far as visiting locker room, but you know, they didn't have any food. Um, you know, they had their regular team meal four hours before the game, and then you have, uh, you know, three hours of delays, including a two hour second delay. And so Kirk Ferentz said in his post game that, the team managers, uh, actually, with the help of the state troopers as an escort, went out and, and bought sandwiches for the players. And so uh, some uh, some Ames restaurant tours may be in a little trouble for helping the Iowa guys get fueled up again during the, the, the lightning delay. Well, uh, let's get into some of the action from the weekend. Tough loss for USC, losing that overtime game at BYU. How damaging is that for the Trojans? As now they're getting ready for a big matchup with Utah this week. Right. Well, you know, again, any loss is damaging for a program that, you know, has so much scrutiny on there right now with Clay Helton's job, you know, very much in doubt. But, you know, to that same point, you know, if you were going to say which game is more important, it's clearly this week against Utah. It's a division game. USC is already 1-0 in the Pac-12. And so if they can pull off the uh, the win on Friday night in L.A., I'll be at the game, uh, you know, working it for us. And uh, and if they can win that game, you know, they're in pretty good shape still with the game at Washington upcoming. And so, you know, USC's opening schedule, as we talked about, is so difficult. But, you know, two of those games are, are uh, road games against non-conference teams in BYU and Notre Dame. So if they can still take care of business, in their conference, especially in their division against the preseason favorite, the Utes, um, you know that that can that can switch back momentum very quickly. Another tough loss for the weekend was Florida. Not that they lost the game, but they lost their quarterbacks in Felipe Franks. How damaging is that for the Gators' chance of winning the East of the SEC? Yeah, it's damaging. Uh, you know, I think Felipe Franks is a guy that made a lot of strides last fall under Dan Mullen. And, you know, I think all signs are pointing towards another step this year. It was a little bit shaky in the opener against Miami, but uh, he's a very talented player. He's got a big arm. They have a talented receiving core around him. And now you turn to Kyle Trask, you know, who, who's a little bit more of an unknown, even though he's been around Florida for, for several years. Now, Dan Mullen's track record at quarterback suggests that you know, Trask will, will be okay. And obviously he made enough plays to help them rally against Kentucky and avoid uh, you know really damaging loss to the Wildcats for the second straight year. But, you know, it's still going to be difficult for Florida you know, going up against, you know, Georgia on that side, Georgia with Jake Fromm and, and so much talent. And obviously they struggled against the Bulldogs recently. So um, it'll be really a test of Dan Mullen and what he does best, and that's develop quarterbacks. And he's going to have to fast-track Kyle Trask now with Felipe out. Yeah, they were fortunate to get out of that game with, with a victory. Adam, we've had instant replay now in college football for a number of years, and yet still mistakes being made. North Carolina should have had one more snap in their game Friday with Wake Forest. The, 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 the missed call at the end of the Michigan State-Arizona State game. Is there anything else college football can do to avoid these, these uh, mistakes being made, particularly at the end of games? Yeah, you know, you would think, especially, I, I know more leagues are either going to this or have it in place with centralized replay. I would think that would be the way to get around, you know, just having to deal with you know, the different stadiums and the different technology and what's going on and is there weather. Um, it would just be great if, if everyone went to centralized replay and there was a quick mechanism to alert people to, to stop the game in time or, or in the case of North Carolina Wake Forest, hey, get everybody off the field. There's one more play for the Tar Heels. You know, the Michigan State deal was unfortunate. You know, the Pac-12 apologizing for the uh, the non-penalty call on the uh, on the final field goal attempt by the Spartans, and you know it's it's part of the game. You know, again, people, you know, officials have been getting calls wrong forever, uh, but it's just a shame with replay that we're not. Uh, you're seeing, uh, you know, things get get right at least at critical points. Yeah, it's just too bad. And boy, what a tough loss for for D'Antonio and Michigan State losing that game. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Everybody's getting excited about this Michigan trip to to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, what do you make of this matchup coming up on Saturday? Sure. Well, both teams coming off of an open week. I think Michigan needed it more than Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been, you know, virtually flawless through its first two games. No points allowed. Jonathan Taylor's been brilliant. Uh, running the football and catching the football as their Heisman 
trophy contending running back. You know, Michigan really needed this, you know, because they weren't good offensively against Army. Fortunate to win that game at home. I still believe, I know I'm in the minority, that they can get their act together offensively. The key there, Greg, is is not fumbling the ball. They had five fumbles in the first two games. They had three all of last year. And then limiting the penalties, especially the pre-snap fouls. They've had 10 of those through the first two games. And so if they can, you know, they get Donovan Peoples-Jones back from injury. So their receiving core is in a sense whole. They have two really good tight ends. They have some young running backs. And then the key is whether Shea Patterson can make plays against a very good Wisconsin defense and they can try to start to stretch the field a little bit more in that RPO tempo-based Josh Gaddis offense. That's what I'm most interested in because Michigan can match up with Wisconsin defensively. But if we see more of the same from Michigan's offense, it's a hard hard to envision them winning this game. Don't they catch a break, Adam, with that game being at 11 and not at night? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's you know, Wisconsin's home record is what it is. They've been pretty dominant no matter when their games are. But, um, yeah, I think Camp Randall at night makes it even more difficult. I'll never forget uh, you're seeing uh, Wisconsin beat number one Ohio State back in 2010 under Brett Bielema and you know, some other memorable night wins over Nebraska and other teams. They play very well all the time there, especially uh, late at night. But uh, it's still going to be a challenge for, for Michigan. Uh, they haven't played well, as you and I have discussed away from Ann Arbor. Uh, that's nope. been the issue for Jim Harbaugh. You're losing games like the Iowa game in 2016 um, or, or some of the other contest bowl games that haven't played well. So this will be a real test of whether this is going to be different for Michigan or whether it's going to be more of the same because it's clear that Ohio State's still the team to beat in the Big Ten. Penn State also is in that uh, mix along with Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, but Michigan needs to show that it belongs, and it, it really starts this weekend. I think we're in some ways the most critical game of the of the uh, non-Ohio State of the Harbaugh era so far as this weekend. Yeah. Well, a lot of the eyes of the nation are going to be down between the hedges as Georgia hosts Notre Dame. I was a little surprised that the spread is nearly two touchdowns favoring the dogs. You give the Irish any shot in this game, or are they that that inferior to Georgia? Well, there's some issues there in terms of the matchups. Um, and what's been a little unsettling with Notre Dame, and I know you can't tell too much from, from these first games, but they, they haven't defended the run particularly well. And they're young at linebacker. We knew, about, we knew that about them entering the season after losing you know, some really good players like Drew Tranquil from that position a year ago. And unfortunately, that's Georgia's strength. I mean, Georgia goes four deep at running back arguably the best offensive line in the country, several future NFL players on that line, and then a terrific quarterback in Jake Fromm. So I, I Notre Dame's defense and being able to contain Georgia, limit the big plays, make them earn some points, and ideally force some turnovers is going to be key. And then on offense, I'm fascinated to see what Notre Dame does from a, a game-planning standpoint because they have some weapons. They have a very good offensive line. They're not as strong at running back, but this is a big moment for Ian Book, their quarterback. Obviously struggled against Clemson in the national semifinal. He's kind of a shorter version of Jake Fromm, very efficient, very accurate, but he's got to show that he can win the big game, and this is a great opportunity for Notre Dame. But I think, you know, scheme-wise, they're going to have to be really good. They're going to have to win the turnover by battle, and they can't let Georgia control the game with its own rushing attack. Well, should be a good one. Look forward to watching that one. Well, Adam, we appreciate it. Travel safe to L.A., and we'll talk again next week. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Greg. That's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. My thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, to Josh, and all of you for listening tonight. I'm off tomorrow. It'll be Nate and Ben in here tomorrow night. Again, the volleyball show with John Cook coming up in hour number two of tomorrow night's show. Have yourself a great night. Good night.